0: Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the marketing minds at doconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peek.
1: As always, episode 145, so many faces are here. Julie Jarnigan, Mike Lyon, and Jen Barkin.
2: Hello.
3: This This is fun. This is so exciting. This is uh-huh. this Mike is a ma- number. To
2: the intro, I was trying not to laugh while Kevin was talking. There's the that's right. You <laughs> know,
3: we on Zoom now. It's not just audio, so I'm trying to make faces, get Andrew to laugh, <laughs> something. I just can't look.
4: I'm, I'm just excited <laughs> to hang out with the ad doctor and oh, I'm excited Julie to have you here.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, good to see you guys. It's been a while. I think we've been on four calls together today.
4: <laughs> Which just reminds me. <laughs> I didn't uh, say I was happy to see Kevin. I was yeah. happy to hang out with Andrew, Andrew. Yes, leader. we
0: spent a we lot leader. of time together on leadership calls today. But it, it made me think, um, getting started, you know, the the only negative feedback Mike, that we got on our very first online sales and marketing summit. I'll never forget this comment because it was the only nasty one. But you know, it was the first time we'd ever done this. So we spent the whole first day together. Sharing the stage back and forth, and and kicking things back and forth, and just commenting on each other as we were presenting. And someone's feedback was the content was awesome, but that fake interaction between Mike and Kevin, I just <laughs> couldn't get past that. <laughs> it was like, "Are <laughs> you amazing?" We, no, we actually do like each other. Like we, I don't. This is none of this is
3: fake. This is not contrived. We're
1: just how we are. We're cheesy. I can't help. We can't help it.
3: You know what? <laughs> Listen, is he's 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 my brother. That's, that's Kevin, my partner. And that person was uninvited from every subsequent summit ever. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's, uh, let's hop in all the way to the beginning at story time. Always optional, not required. Don't have to have a story. Uh, Julie, we're skipping, right? No, I have one.
2: It's just not showing up there. I don't know why. I don't know what happened. Mine's a quick one. Um, it's just a, a word of warning. Don't ask for podcast recommendations on Twitter. <laughs> I did that oh. and mm. I got like Twitter, you know, you get a few. It's not like Facebook or Instagram. A couple people see it. A couple of people like it. I got 60 comments from random podcasts, all recommending oh, and crazy stuff too. Um, all of, There was one recommended themselves that was actually kind of funny. It was called Name Taken. And they only interview people with the exact same full name. So whoever the interviewer is, apparently there's a lot of, if there were a bunch of Julie Jarnigans, which there aren't, he only interviews. That was the only one I thought was Oh, kind that's of funny, really but. interesting.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, the bots are alive and well on Twitter. Crazy.
2: But thank you, Beth at Kavaness and Kate's. She gave me some actual podcast recommendations, but don't do that bit. on Twitter. They all found me.
0: Also a shout out to Beth's um, daughter, who sent out a tweet on her behalf.
2: Oh, Oh, yeah. That was a good
1: tweet. Yeah, it was Mm -hmm. cryptic. It was very sweet.
0: It was very cryptic. (laughs) When your child gets your phone nowadays, they may just start tweeting something, even at the...
1: Fortunately, there's no pictures that were found. Just, I'm going to go through the library on your phone. and slippery slope.
0: Slippery slope. Yeah. And uh, Andrew, your story time is a sound clip. Oh, you Can want to introduce it? it first? Yeah, we'll play it. But introduce it. Yeah, this was um
1: I think it was shared from the Instagram account The Broke Agent, which is a real estate realtor focused uh humor kind of satire account. So it's funny watching it. There's you typically bad words involved and it makes fun of realtors, which I feel like is a lot of fun. Um some truth, some not truth. I don't know. It's up to you to judge if it's <laughs> hey, truth or not. Hey now. Hey
4: now. <laughs> hey, Former it's a realtor, realtor doing it. Former realtor.
0: And the, uh, the text on the on the IG reel is submitting an offer in the past versus today. So here we go.
3: Hey, yeah, we just got finished at your listing at 123 Main Street. Uh, we're going to opt for inspections um, and a 3% seller's assist. And we also want your sellers to pay for my buyers to move in. And now? Hey, yeah, just saw your listing. Uh, I know it's only been live for about 30 seconds, but we want to submit an offer... A trillion dollars over asking price we want to pay for the kids' colleges, and we will give you a kidney. The,
1: ki- the kidney, yeah, I just <laughs> the a kidney is the real kidney. kicker. <laughs> a trillion dollars. Oh, I thought it was funny, but it, yeah, it's just it's crazy watching uh, where I'm at and really everywhere, the non-new home market is just everything's insane, but like just watching that, like the number of listings per like our county population, I'm like, this makes no sense. This is crazy. There's like 800 homes and we're like one and a half million people. If you don't, if you exclude the rest of the area, which all just runs together, like there's nothing out there. It is nuts.
0: And the best part about having Mike and Jen on during story time is we get to hear stories from the other side. The other side, Jen. <laughs> no tears.
1: No tears allowed.
0: <laughs> what do you got?
4: Yeah, no tears on this one. But I thought this was was pretty interesting. Was on a call with a team, online sales team, um, down in Brownsville, Texas, yesterday, and. They said, Jen, oh, my gosh, um, you're not going to believe what we're dealing with now. Something new. And I said, oh, my gosh, tell me, because I feel like every week it's something new, right? Mm-hmm. Elon Musk, a couple weeks ago, tweeted about Brownsville, Texas. Obviously, that's where SpaceX is. And he was talking about he was putting 20 million dollars into the schools down there. This is the place to go. This is the place to live. So guess what? Online sales specialist at this particular builder in Brownsville, Texas, blowing up their phone, right? People are calling in from everywhere in the world saying, wow. Elon Musk told me I need to live in <laughs> Brownsville, Texas. What do you have? How close is it to SpaceX? Oh, and by the way, how close is it to uh, a Whole Foods? <laughs> and and th- uh. this team is going what are you talking about? There's no Whole Foods in Brownsville, (laughs) Texas. You know, we're basically have like, we get fruit from the side of the road. Like there's no, you know, and so they just said, we are, our phones are blowing up. We've got investors calling saying, just give me three of your homes. We don't care how much they are. Wow. So this is a new one. Elon Musk marketing effect, guys. Thanks, Elon. we,
0: We keep saying that there's really... It's almost impossible for it to be a bubble in the same way that there was a bubble in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, because, but of so many other factors. But the Elon Musk effect (laughs) might be causing a slight bubble. That's a first. Yeah,
3: I'm going to be paying for my house with Bitcoin too. Is that a problem in Brownsville, Texas? Only Doge, only Doge. To the only Doge. Okay. There
1: you go. go. That's crazy. Keep up with the kids.
3: Keep up with the kids. The Doge coin.
0: My story time is a little on the sad side, but it it actually is a somewhat encouraging sign. One of the weird things is that right now there's more silver linings for the entire industry if the market cools off a little bit or just becomes normal. And historically, and we've talked about stories about sending things out to the backlog or to customers of we're going to do this, whether you like it or not. And if you don't like it, please cancel. Everyone's just kind of like, yeah, <laughs> all good. Please don't send me packing. I want my home, uh, whatever you say, you know, let's just, let's keep rolling. And I was talking to someone on a call, a sales manager actually, who had taken upon themselves to be part of the sales team's, uh, phone, uh, phone calls out to the backlog to let them know that they were going to have a price escalation or that the prices were going up. And the very first call, of course, because that's how these stories always go. The very first call of many to be done that day was to a lady who, you know, they're building rapport and they're talking about it's been multiple years. I think it was seven years that this person had been saving up to buy their home and they were just super excited to build with this builder. And all the all the fields are there. And then the sales manager has to say, yeah, I'm calling because unfortunately, due to all of the material shortages and everything, we're going to have to the price is going to be going up. And lady was extremely kind. Oh, no, no problem at all. You know, I, it'll be hard and I'll have to scrimp and make some adjustments and what I'm doing, but I could probably pay another thousand dollars or so. And then that's sales manager it. had to say, it's actually going to be more like 10 or 12. And that's, you know, incredibly hard conversation, hi- highly emotional. No one was screaming. It was just, it was sad for kind of everyone <laughs> involved. And I think as sad as that story is, again, it's, it's not good that this person may not be able to afford their home, but it's good that we talked to someone else uh, just about an hour ago who said, you know, we are starting to see limits even in offers of there's only so many people bidding on some of these homes now versus a huge amount. And that's a good sign. also the amount of cash that people have to bring to the table because of appraisals appraisals means that there is some, some high points that seem to be hitting and being reached. So at the end of the day, it seems like, you know, as, Remember, it wasn't too long ago that ever, all the builders were were kind of thumping their chest. No, no, we're raising prices. Every couple of sales, we're raising prices, and it's it's a big number, like five grand every three sales. Hmm. And it just took us too long to find out where the market is. And and um, but it seems like we're starting to get there. And and that kind of transitions us over to the news. The uh, transition here now. I, mean, I need to give some backstory. We posted, I posted something I saw on LinkedIn and I've never seen again since. And if this- Oh, color, I saw
3: it. I saw it again. Someone you? else it, posted it and they were, they were bragging. Tell the story, but it made me think because they were bragging that it was good, transparent customer service, but tell the story. Oh,
0: well now, now this is going even deeper. Like I- Yeah, you know, I gotta find it. I'll go find I it. Have, I have no hobbies or interests other than real estate and home building. So this is all I do all the time. And I go down the rabbit hole. So I'm just going through LinkedIn on a Sunday night and I see a builder's name who, oh, I don't know. We don't work with them. And it's it's on letterhead and it's talking about construction delays. And I'm like, oh, this is just, this is good stuff. I just want to see what's happening. See. And and then as I'm reading it, it's very transparent at the beginning. And then some things that we'll dig into kind of start to change. And I I, I downloaded it. And I posted it to the market proof marketing group on Facebook on a Sunday night and just wanted to see what everyone's reaction to the language, which again, we'll break down was, and then the, as, as reactions started coming in and conversations started happening, some people had to delete their comments because they had rather strong reactions to it. Um, I, I was like, well, maybe I realized that the letter was written to sales associates, not to customers. And, so then I went back to LinkedIn to see who posted this because this is an internal memo. And again, you don't have the context yet of everything that's in it, but it's not something that I pretty, I'm pretty i pretty sure they didn't intend for this to be leaked publicly. And I, it was gone. I couldn't find it again. And so that made me assume that it was either a salesperson who was upset with management for handling the situation the way they did, or maybe an agent who was upset about their buyer. Um, I just didn't—I didn't know where it came from. And so... Let, Mike, you tell kind of where you are, and then we'll dig into the kind of the guts of this. And we don't need to talk about the builder's name; it's it's in the Facebook group if you want. And again, if 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 you're listening and this is you, the builder, this was nothing personal. And if anyone ever reached out to me and said, "Please remove it," I would happily do so. It's not, it's not a yeah. Gotcha. I cannot
3: find it, but I thought it was the one you were talking about. But anyway, it was multiple people saying, "I we applaud companies for being transparent. This is a great way to to talk to." Uh, your customers, and I'm just like, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, maybe it got flack somewhere else and someone was out there promoting it on LinkedIn, or maybe it was from the, it should have be been okay. from the market. Well, group, marketing and we group. should,
0: <laughs> we should have a um, a little just quick aside here of everything when, when we do or talk about this kind of stuff from a strategic level, from a, from a 10,000, 30,000 foot level, we're all in the same boat. And so there's a bunch of things in this letter that the the heart or the thought or the intention is where a lot of builders are, and that's the commonality. All we're discussing and nitpicking here, although some might argue that it, it's bigger than nitpicking, but I would say it's nitpicking is tactically how did you decide to roll it out, and that's what we can all learn from. So the letter starts out being very transparent, uh, and Julie, you're you're like super sleuth. <laughs> Uh, master, but, she, did you yeah, just find right. this on your own right now? Or did you see this too? Uh, a
2: little bit earlier. I sent it to you earlier, but you must wow, have not seen this it, is, but no. yes, Jeez, I'm leafy. good at Facebook stalking.
3: Jeez. Watch out everybody. Julie <laughs> has no out. On her skills. Julie's, Julie's out there. Okay, the the so,
0: so there's, this is going to get posted. This whole thing's going to get posted. This is, this is bad. I love this kind of stuff. Okay. So the letter <laughs> starts out being very transparent saying, <laughs> Hey, we've got serious issues with materials. Uh, You know, yesterday we received notice that their roofing sheathing is no longer available and they have 1100 homes under construction, two thirds of which has no roofing solution as of today. Then it talks about, and and that one's very specific. The numbers are specific. uh, The situation is very specific. Then it starts to get a little more general. It goes to, you know, OSB is hard to get. Cabinets are on back order. And then window production has been cut by 50%. The list goes on and on. This is really hard, um, so it starts to get a little bit more vague into into the impacts, and then it it kind of proudly says we've never given away or we've never returned a buyer deposit ever. Like once we put the money and the time into this, we don't give you your money back. So just know, that's a big deal. And then it goes on to say, the delays in construction may ultimately be anywhere from one month or a six month plus delay. Timelines change daily. And if you want a refund of your initial deposit, you need to let us know in seven days. And then I'm just going to read this last part verbatim, except for the builder's name. Those who do not cancel within this time frame will continue with us on our journey and live with the uncertainty brought about by these supply chain issues. Uh, so you start out with some good things. There's, there's radical transparency. We've talked a lot about it on our leadership calls over the last month, like it's probably better for everyone right now just to say, I don't know. Like, if you say the paper says, the schedule says, the manufacturer says, you're, you're more or less setting yourself up for the following week to say, well, now it says something different. Now it says something different. You're just, you're slow playing the confrontation, which probably, anyway, that, that's a whole, we could keep going down there. So it starts out being open and transparent. Then it's then it's just kind of gets weird um, to me, and I don't know what your guys's perspective is. But saying you have seven days to basically blank or get off the pot,
3: well, doesn't, I think it, I think it almost sounds like a hostage letter or something. Yes, you that know, last like, line, like you yeah, if you don't. Mm-hmm. You're on
0: with us for the rest of the ride, no matter what.
1: Might take four years to finish your home. You're stuck.
3: It, it, hey, l- language I think is important, and yeah. messaging is important
4: delivery um
3: intent was there like you said hmm. but it was interesting it, it was interesting to me just to see the linkedin post a lot of people going hey congrats kudos way to be transparent it's like well don't be mean be transparent say, without transparent, being so mean
4: yeah transparency yes but you know that's that's just that's just cold
1: it seems like <laughs> the language cold. like is especially that last paragraph to me it, it's like intentionally going towards the end of like, let's make people feel really nervous and scared and uncertain yeah. versus being kind of neutral. Like it, like it started out neutral. Then the end is like, I hope everyone cancels. Maybe we could like reset our price. Well, that, and sell that, that is the weird fire. part
0: to me. That was my first comment after I posted it was it? anytime you're doing this kind of thing, you want your intention to be very clear to everyone. Why are you doing this? And at the the first part, it sounds like it's to provide clear transparency and and customer expectation setting. And by the last half, it looks like the intent of the letter is please cancel because we don't want to take another call from you or please cancel because we want to resell the home for more money or or potentially both, reset expectations and make more money at the same time. Um, So that somehow... Uh, I agree. This is newsworthy because now we've got something else we can post where there's a real estate agent uh, who came out with a dissertation defending the builder because they're currently doing business with them. And I don't, we don't have time now to, to read it and go through it, but um, the saga continues. So the <laughs> join saga. the, join the Facebook group for not just the gift cards, uh, but also the <laughs> the ongoing the saga craziness. here. All right. Next up from Zillow, uh, the Zillow media room, actually the great reshuffling Zillow's 2021 mover report is out, man, they're out with all kinds of reports. It's hard to keep up opportunity, emotion, and trends behind the great reshuffling. And, um, it's, it's, this is an actual press release. So it's, it's, um, relatively short and to the point, but there's a lot to unpack that you're going to want to check out in the show notes. But, um, anyone here want to give a couple quick highlights from the, uh, from the report
1: it's interesting the the sunbelt tops moving destinations, just like the top markets i feel like it's like you didn't have to look at this which i feel like some of the stuff is obvious but it's interesting looking at i they have sarasota florida down here which is where i'm at tampa bay would be like the bigger term for that but it's interesting they put sarasota on there so i think if you're looking at this there probably could be some interpretation for the actual city names like they put chicago maybe it's just in summary but if you're nerding out on like on my end, how I am, I'm like, I don't think people are going to Sarasota. Maybe it's like, it could be 50, for my case, 50 miles North. Maybe it's just very broad uh, area.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and there's, yeah. just there's also no barriers. I think it was interesting. It's like, mm-hmm. and we, we all know this from going through it collectively. We all did. Of uh, you started thinking about your life potentially differently or just saying, we're going to do it. And so one in 10 Americans uh, or 11% say they've already moved in the past year by choice or by circumstance.
1: During the pandemic too,
0: I think yeah. that's right. yeah, And they're happy about it. So the the vast majority, 59% say positive life events happened after their most recent move, most commonly citing that they fulfilled a dream or became passionate about something new. So it's it's it is a reshuffling, not just of physically where you live, but your perspective on what's important and what you're gonna invest your time in and energy in. I think it's really interesting that that's where the other shoe still has yet to drop. I think we talked about it on last week's episode about, you know, Google and uh, major employers saying, you know, not so fast. You're not going to work wherever you want, wherever you want. Google's policy, I think, was like two weeks worth of work from home days a year. But otherwise, That's you're going to be in an office. So... As things reopen, people are going to continue to reevaluate what they want to do. I know we referenced the Microsoft's research that said something like 50% of people who worked for their employer currently, it was higher than that. A plan to quit when things go back to normal because they've been through a living hell trying to work from home, school from home, parent from home, do everything from home. And they they just don't like what they're doing anymore. So I think it's going to, I think the reshuffling still isn't over as fast paced as it feels like it's gone. So other, other cool things in there, but check that out. And then breaking from just uh, yesterday, I think, man, time just keeps rolling. CoStar, who again, they own apartments.com. They're the largest commercial. They're like the Zillow of the commercial space, right? And um, they acquired HomeSnap a couple, a couple months ago. We talked about that. Um, And they just bought homes.com for $156 million in cash. In cash too. Yeah. So now they've got HomeSnap and Homes.com. And they're still primarily focused, though, on the commercial space and the rental space. But it's it's pretty clear now that they are definitely coming after uh, the big players in the market, primarily Zillow. And they are just railing on the fact that their goal is to only allow leads to go to the listing agent. They think that's their secret sauce of we're going to get the people to, to want to pay to promote their listings on our platform versus somewhere else because the leads will only go to the listing agent. And good luck to them, I think. I mean, we all, we all want competition because that's going to be good for all of us. But if they prove that that works, you know, homes.com currently gets, I think, 5 million users a month.
1: I was going to say, do you have <laughs> the top of your head I'm putting on the spot, Kevin, of what Zillow has per month. like
0: I think it's like a hundred and, well, I, this is, this is, I did read this earlier today, but I already forget it. It's somewhere between 150 million and 300 million.
1: So imagine you're a realtor paying, you're like, you're willing to like, I want leads, I'm a listing agent, here's my homes.
0: Well, that, that that's what makes this so leads. interesting is right now, uh, agents, agents are be pro- tough. yeah, well, Jen, you know, from all your time on the, yeah. on the used home side of the business too, that's going to be tough. But right now, agents and brokers don't like Zillow because I, they're taking right. my content and someone else gets the lead. Mm-hmm. But guess what I think agents are going to hate even more is if this is the way it goes, now you get no exposure on Zillow unless you pay. So what's worse than free exposure that someone else might get the lead? You only get exposure if you pay for it. So it's a little bit of be careful what you wish for. Be careful I think. what you
4: wish for. Yeah.
0: But- generally speaking we're all up for competition and and innovation so we'll we'll keep an eye on that but costar is not going away and they actually i believe have a bigger market cap than zillow so they have the funds to keep keep moving down this train all right another really fun one that because we want to have plenty of time to to talk to our very special guest today we're just going to mention and link to the show notes but it's I think I think Julie and Andrew, you can both vouch for this was this is a fun one in Andrew's words to okay. read through.
1: It's lots of fun, very thought provoking, very existential. You'll be like, "How do we fix this mm-hmm. problem that we have?" And then you're like, "I have no idea." Like the, the train's already is rolling. Like the train wreck
0: it? that is housing. Um, <laughs> Oncealpharealty dot com. And it's it's actually it's a great combination of like I mean there's an Austin Powers steamroll I don't I've never seen that movie is that oh, from the movie? you need to see it this weekend yeah. yeah okay
1: it's moving extremely slow and it cuts back and forth back and forth so and so it it it's it's moves. like
0: memes and funny videos combined with really good analysis and charts and and all kinds of stuff but you know all the easy answers don't really apply at the end of the day is the summation um, and and it even points back to you know. The, the NIMBY, not in my backyard, of like, and we talked about this with Jackie Askews and her situation up for St. Clair. It's like, we want affordable housing. We want to make this obtainable. By the way, you need to pay us a car every year in taxes, and you can't build anything smaller than 4,000 square feet. <laughs>
2: it's
0: like, mm. uh-huh. so it's, <laughs> it, it's a great primer if you're new to the industry or if you think that this is a simple problem to solve, go check out that article. Uh, really hey, interesting.
4: Hampton Roads in the house. But, yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah about And your area. Then on an upswing something fun uh, i think this i think i'm more excited about this than than 3d printing by far the uh, the iron man body armor many of us may soon be wearing this is from the bbc okay. but essentially these are exoskeleton suits that that use what are the servos and i don't know what the technical engineering term is but using the power of, of motors and engines and hydraulics So that if you're a framer, you just pick up that big old, you know, piece of, piece of wood and just carry it wherever you need to without worry of injury or fatigue, because it's going to help you lift it up. It's going to let you walk faster. It's going to let you swing the hammer harder. It's going to let you do all these things. So you're able to conserve energy, get more done in a faster point in time. And what to me is really exciting about this is it keeps the human element. Because, you know, my, my joke when I posted the article to the Facebook group earlier was, you know, the, the 3D printed concrete homes, that's, that's cool and all, but my wife ain't living there because it looks like the house was, you know, it, the robot just pooped out concrete in a circle. concrete And, and I think, <laughs> I think 3D printing is going to really help the affordable housing problem. But for, for the majority of homes that are being built right now, which again, we can, we, I'm not saying this is a good thing that we need more affordable housing. But for those who are building move up homes or higher end products, I mean, and anyone of us who have worked for builders know like our trim carpenters at Heartland were cool people and they, they could do anything and they would do anything and they would smile while they were doing it and have fun. And yeah, we can do that and no problem. And I just think I, I'm just way more excited about the idea of making our, our skilled trades more efficient and able to work safer with something like this.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Imagine if they could, um, like there's the picture of here, it shows a welder, and I believe how this apparatus works is this person's actually sitting into the exoskeleton. Uh-huh. So it looks like there'd be all this pressure on their lower back and their legs, but they're kind of just sitting because it's supporting their body. That's an interesting Imagine one. Also, if you're doing trim work, you're doing crown, and you could be walking around, maybe have like extendo arm or something. You're up and down a ladder, right? maybe twice in a 12 foot range versus sure. I maybe mean, be five feet.
0: I don't have the guns that that the ad doctor does, but just mm, painting a either. ceiling with a roller or a that sp- sounds like, awful. You know, that I, is the worst, right? right? Just changing a changing a light fixture, you're like, oh, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta go take I a know. nap halfway through this. <laughs> but if the exoskeleton can keep your arm up, no sweat. So, It'd be amazing. I think I that holds one. that holds more promise. I'm thinking I need exciting. that
4: for like gardening too, <laughs> just <laughs> right? for life.
0: Well, I'll be wearing these things in a couple years. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. We're going to do a quick shift too. And we're going to knock out the answers to last week's question of the week before we go into our guest segment. And so uh, the the question again was, what do you think the market is going to look like in Q1 of 2022? So get out your crystal ball and what's in store. And I was very happy to see that as usual, you guys are not afraid to hop out and share your opinions. Cause this is, I mean, we're, we're talking a long ways out there. It's it's a little risky. I mean, my, my only answer was a shrug emoji, a gift thing, but Greg Markey, we'll kick it off with you. Cause you were the first one. He said, all right, I'll go first. I imagine we are seeing by then we would see housing markets cool off from where they are now back down to moderate levels as COVID ends, because that will happen. Right. And consumer discretionary spending moves to travel and other post-pandemic okay, items. However, low interest rates will keep the market consistent into 2022. Happy to be proven wrong, though. Uh, Someone else take a take a.
2: Um, Steve Shoemaker said it will be like trying to buy toilet paper in April 2020. Higher than normal demand, insanely low supply.
0: I think that's really insightful, um, because even if all the materials dropped out of the sky right now, everyone's pre-sold so far out into the future that I don't gone. know that we wouldn't still be in the... I, I think a lot of people would say, well, we, we, we'll figure it out by then. But I think even if all the answers are solved right now, there's still so much to be built out.
1: Yeah. It'd be like April, May when you're like, oh, there's toilet paper at the store. And then you go there five minutes later and you're like, nope, it's gone. Uh-huh. Like it's it's just already called for. I think it's interesting uh, Jennifer Walsh touched on, um, I think supply will increase and demand slow as potential foreclosures occur due to mortgage forbearance ending. Interest rates rising slightly. New construction prices continue to rise. Just going into that whole category, which is not typically talked about, like how will foreclosures, forbearance, all these sort of things affect the market? Um, uh-huh. Like, will that increase supply? Will that decrease? What will it do um, if that happens?
0: Yeah, right now it seems like we've got enough investors and pension funds and everyone else who wants to buy up anything. That um, that those people who who are still in forbearance when this is over, they'll still be able to sell. And make it off. And in fact, the argument might be that we need a lot more people to be selling right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we'll end with, uh, with Paula and then Brett. So Paula DeYoung, I predict Q1 of 2022 will begin an increase of sales volume after a lower than expected December 2021. However, increasing inflation and interest rates will temper the Q1 rise in sales volume. So Paula thinks there's still going to be a, an actual spike, which is typical in Q1. Uh, so that, that's interesting. And then uh, Mr. Monorail himself, Brett Steele, I'd expect much of the same as today. Supply will increase, but not without a comp... Com- oh my gosh, Brett, used big words Too for smart. me. Too <laughs> smart. I'd expect much of the same as today. Supply will increase, but not without a commensurate amount of pent-up demand coming with it. Keep it us in this state. Without a rapid increase in rates, 200 basis points or more, government incentives to sell rental properties without cap gains. Are- wow, I think we're stuck... Yeah. That is interesting. But he thinks we're stuck here for some time. And I, and that's I even with a bla- if if a black swan event happens everyone we're all going to be in the same boat. I was talk I went to breakfast with someone, yeah, breakfast and it, it wasn't Mr. Duter said, but I went to breakfast with someone in Columbus this morning. And we talked about that like if if another 2008 2009 moment happens like it's all about being nimble and reacting because that's just what you're going to have to do. Nothing that you're doing right now. There are things that will prepare you, but you know, the preparedness is being nimble and being flexible and, and staying ready to be able to adjust, just like when COVID hit to begin with, right? It was those who could re- react the quickest. Had some base things in place, which we talked about in that virtual selling series that Mike put on with Bob, Bob, and Jeff Shore, but you still had to be able to execute on it. That's so... But without that uh, taking out the black swan event, I think we're going to be here for quite a while.
4: Hey, fresh, fresh off the online sales specialist email was, I'm just going to continue to rent for a, for a little while. Prices are stupid, right?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, and that's I mean, that's the but, feedback you know, the market needs to finally start yeah. getting to to try to help this stuff cool down. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll take a quick break and we come back. You guys have to leave now and then come back. That's how this works. Uh, (laughs) Mike and and Chen will come back to talk about priority lists for online sales and just the wacky, crazy world we live in and the things that uh, it's crazy that we have to, but we have to be thinking about them more deeply than we have before. We'll be right back. we back with the superstars of online sales, the OG crew since 2009, the specialists in all things online sales, Jen Barkin and Mike Lyon working with builders. I believe our latest number was in 39 different states in the United States and a province in Canada. So lots of perspective, lots of things changing, wanted to get a check in on the world that is online sales right now because there's a lot to consider.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
0: P.S. We're
4: glad to be P.S. here. P.S. Right, Jen? Oh my gosh. Been looking forward to this forever. Been, awesome. too, long. <laughs> we,
3: been too long. We love getting to share, um, you know, the frontline stuff with, our marketing professionals and leaders and online sales specialists that are listening to the podcast because it all ties together, right? I mean, you know, a key part of marketing is managing and nurturing those leads and so much overlap today. Um, what I would say, just a quick pulse of the market for online sales, for those of you who are wondering, we have a word we've, right now, it's just <laughs> a grind. I mean, it's pretty special out there, right, Jen? What are you feeling?
4: Oh, man, I think that we could all... Um, in this year with a degree in, uh, uh, the therapy therapy, we could all be therapists, um, at the end of this year and and 2020 seems like a breeze compared to the last few months in 2021.
0: Well, and, and that's the other thing, the other audience that we have more of than I would have originally guessed is owners. Yeah. So- a lot, of, yeah. a lot of you listening right now, you're just going to keep shaking your head because you know you're experiencing it because you're an online salesperson or a marketer who is correctly, closely connected to your online salesperson. But the real audience that everyone is rooting to understand the message that, th- that you guys are about to share is ownership and executive leadership because we need their help at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
3: And we are sending out a lot of love to our online sales specialists. And it's interesting to think about when I first started the word that our industry used for online sales was online sales counselor, OSC. And that just is what right. it was. It's kind of more of an industry term, but really the counselor part didn't make a whole lot of sense. And we said, we, right. they're the specialists, right? They're, they're the online sales specialists, but we've kind of reverted back to that <laughs> because they're acting more like a counselor, like a therapist, dealing Absolutely. with prospects that are disappointed, desperate, depressed, dejected, Priority Mm -hmm. list, wait, that's not a fun thing to get involved in. Mm. And so, a lot of love going out there. They're making it, they're adapting, they're showing just tremendous, amazing resiliency and rolling with this market. And Jen and the team are doing a great job. Our amazing online sales coaches, right? You got Jen Barkin, Jesse Suggs, brand new, doing a phenomenal job plugging right in, (laughs) fresh off the seat of managing online sales. 40 under 40 winner. Yeah, 40 well, exactly. 40. 40 under 40 a winner. Congratulations, Jesse. You know, we work with over 100 online sales specialists every single month, month in and month out. And from individuals, solo or larger teams. And we've got that direct connection. And it's such a fluid and frothy time right now. Things are changing by the minute. So we want to jump on and talk about those changes. And what we're seeing right now. So first off, Jen, we're busy hiring, which has been fun, right?
4: Holy cow. We absolutely love it. Um, Like Mike said, we are in the trenches. We have really um, such a huge spike in both teams this last year that are programs that have grown their team. Right. So that might be the case where they said, hey, we need to staff up or there's been people that have just changed positions, changed role. Some people have said hey i don't want to do this anymore right and have gone and done something else so we've seen definitely now is a really great time to hire to hire you, and train them up i'm just
1: so Are glad you hiring that, from outside the industry it seems like interviewing from outside the industry or a lot of people shifting builder to builder oh that's a, that's a that's a good
4: good question
3: andrew our recommendation right now for hiring is don't go to other builders because uh, their expectations are through the roof, you got to bring someone yeah. in from the outside that's not one trying to leave a backlog because most people won't, and mm-hmm. two doesn't ha- don't have these high uh, compensation expectations because it's just been like Whoa. you know Bitcoin, it's gone up tremendously, I and so imagine. yeah, we look at we look at pulling from outside and training them up yeah. and getting them excited. I'm just
0: excited that we're talking about a large number of builders who want bigger teams. I mean that's. Right. We don't want to riff on it too long here, but I just have never, I mean, Mike knows ever since you used to work with our team at Heartland, it was, it was like having more people just always makes sense, Mm -hmm. not just to respond, but to actually be able to create appointments versus just accept appointments.
4: Yeah. And, and here's the thing, you know, we're also something that everybody else needs to think about just as far as staffing up, managing 200 leads right now actually feels like managing 400 leads right and here and here's why those 200 leads are more responsive than ever you know they're they're camping out on our voicemails our inboxes in some cases people are signing up multiple times on the website and so you know we've seen such such a huge not only increase in leads but also the responsiveness of the people that are that are inquiring and so we've gotta we've got to keep that in mind we've got to look at lead sources, we've got to look at, you know, how we're managing that demand on the front end. Um, And so that's really something important for marketers and leaders to really think about. People
0: will take this out of context, and I'll get in trouble, which is half the fun. So let's just say it anyway, (laughs) right. But earlier today, again, on a call, I'll let you finish this one, Mike, but we were talking about recommended leads. And why responding to recommended leads, if you have too much, and not enough opportunity and too many people, they didn't know you were going to respond to them.
3: Yeah, it's a, it's just such a tricky one. Quality is the name of the game in 2021. And, you know, you don't need to have more leads to work right now. And it's not like we want to shut all the leads off. We just want more of the right leads to work with the right expectations. Because like Jen yeah. said, it's not it, 200 leads are not like 200 leads in 2019. Not at all. Right. And so, you know, we'll be talking more just about that. It's just the metrics that, that we, we've been running everything through don't always work the exact same way in this fun and new market okay that world. we have. So yeah. those are things we, we just wanted to kind of throw out there from the beginning. For everybody listening, the same rules don't apply. The rules are changing. And, and one of the big things that we're dealing with, we're talking about today, is those priority lists or those wait lists. I mean, this wrench is big. The monkey is big. So the monkey and the wrench are gigantic. And online sales teams are asking us over and over again, so what do we do now? Like, because the rules are changing and we've been trying to work with our teams one by one our, our, our builders one by one to establish a framework to utilize. Because it's not really like a process that you can replicate and duplicate everywhere, you know, because everybody's situation is a little bit different. Everybody's market is a little bit different. Every community is a little bit different, but we need to discuss this. And there's also different, I guess you would say, types of of priority lists. And Kevin wrote a great article. And I know you guys have talked about this, but you know, how to run a priority list on the definitive guide for that, which I think is great because that's different ways that you can actually run it. Today we're talking more about what does an online sales specialist do when they get those leads. And that depends on the type of priority list that we're working with. You know, and and you could maybe assign a temperature to it. So let's do that. Does that sound good, Jen? We'll assign a temperature. Yeah. 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 Right? And just know
0: that by the time this comes out a couple of days after we record it, most of you are in the warm or blazing hot already. Like <laughs> I, I'm going to try to update that article. And because I, I feel like the vast majority, whether they want to or not, are moving towards a, an offer scenario, make, yeah, make us an offer.
3: That we're having a conversation. Half the half of the yeah. leadership calls. What right. do you guys think so about we... offers? Good, bad. What should we do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh boy, yeah. yeah. So we're moving that direction. Let's let's talk through really kind of the three. From again, this is a framework. It's not end all be all. It's just some some suggestions. But when yeah, you're looking at doesn't pri-
4: fit all. I mean exactly
3: when you're looking at priority lists. Um, one, the normal what you call normal temperature, I guess. They'll be releasing homes or or home sites soon. We may have a cap sales per month. Um, interest is normal. And so the temperature is going to be a little bit than you know, less than some of these other ones that we see. And maybe there's a hundred or less on the list, right? So if you want to use a round number, I guess it'd be a hundred and we'll talk about. The, and I
0: feel like, again, not that few of those. we work with everyone <laughs> in the world, but we work with enough people in enough different places, enough different what? sizes that I'll tell you only about 10 to 15% of people have even, some portion of their company that is in that scenario right now (laughs) right and that's and if you are by the way don't feel bad that you're not like that's exactly everyone else pretty much is jealous that you're there so it's all right
3: (laughs) yeah so that's a normal list a a a warm list is you know you got homes coming soon but it might be limited interest is going to be warm and that list size is going to be 100 plus, right? And then the blazing hot, you might see homes that are going to be delayed or it's further out more than a few months and the list size is 150 plus, 200 plus, I mean 500 plus, 700 plus. It starts going up and up and up. So, someone today said 2000. 2000 <laughs> two <laughs> well, with how many homes for, they have to sell? It was
0: 20 something,
3: I think. Yeah. That's, that's a little, that's what we call white hot. So that's a white hot list and you got to recognize that not every community or prior list is going to be the same. So online sales and marketing teams, Mm -hmm. and even the sales leaders have to sit down and develop what we would call kind of a unique process for each one of these. Right, Jen?
4: Yeah. I mean, you know, online sales, sales, and marketing, I like to refer to that as like the ecosystem. What happens when one of those things in the ecosystem, you know, is the problem. It affects the other two. Right. And so yeah. the devil is in the details. Communication is key. So it's not just about sitting down and coming up with a plan, but it's about how are we exactly executing this plan? And you need the dialogues around it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen, you know, some online sales specialists um, like, okay, here, manage this interest list. And they're like, well, I'm not sure what to say. Uh, you know, and they're like trying to come up with, you know, the dialogues around that. That's a bad idea, um, and and a huge value for them right now, especially if they're in a situation where they can't set appointments right now, or you know, sales are capped or whatever. You know, a huge value is them managing that upfront expectation and what's happening there. So,
0: and there's yeah. also the on-site sales team, which we kind of just yeah. in this discussion for simplicity are are somewhat ignoring, but that's the other. Like yeah, We got to, we got to get them involved too, because so many times online sales and marketing come up with a plan and then leadership yeah. just looks at the sales manager and says, tell the next walk-in trafficking that they can buy. Like we're, we're open for business now. Like,
3: whoa, yeah. exactly.
4: Absolutely. Yeah,
3: the, you know, here's, here's, here's a big thing as we talk about the framework, which we want to give you on how you can manage these leads on the priority list is first things first, if you're using your same process for <laughs> new lead management, you know, a 30, 45 day process, nine to 12 touch points, stop it. That's or you're not,
0: pre-selling six months in advance or in yeah, terms of the not, pre-sell without m- fail. Yeah. approach,
3: <laughs> Not beneficial. We don't want to do that. Um, you want to switch it up, Right. Uh, and, and we kind of help people think of it, like, think of it like a mini presale without fail campaign. And we don't have a whole lot to compare this to before. Before Not what we had most of the time was phase one sold out. We're waiting for phase two, right? So this isn't introducing something brand new. We're just holding on to these these groups of people. So for all intents and purposes, we kind of think of it like a mini presale. But the framework itself can kind of go like this. Obviously, make it your own. You've got variations that you can plug in, but. Wow. The initial lead management is you're setting expectations number one on your website from a marketing and messaging standpoint. This community is in um, a priority list or an interest list or a wait list, whatever we want to call it. So step one, they're seeing this that. Is step like, two, this is like the
4: most important I, thing. I, to yeah, all I
3: was going to say
0: we can't go to step two just yet because <laughs> I'm telling you this is where the appropriate pressure Oopsies. on your web developer is okay. That's one of the reasons why we love the folks at O'Neill Interactive so much. Is as much flexibility. It's not that just you're going to need it now for forever. From from yesterday, you need to have the availability (laughs) to have calls to actions, what they're saying, their placement, and the amount of them adjustable at the community level or at the inventory home level. You can't have one. Well, if I change my call to action on this community, Kevin, it's going to change it everywhere. Ah, no. And, and again, not everyone's website is set to do that now, but you, you have to be working with someone who, when you ask for that says, yeah, we can, we can make that happen. Here's the plan because you need that flexibility. We looked again recently at, at someone who their organic traffic and lead count, their lead count had increased from organic 450% year over year. And so, yeah, we can talk about adjusting ads, but this, this problem is only going to be of too many leads without the right expectations being set is only going to be fixed at the website level. Yes. That's the only place preach, to do Kevin,
4: it. Preach, Kevin. Preach.
3: Preach. Oh, sorry. Wrong sound You got feather. the buzzer for that one, <laughs> <I know>. right? <laughs> Kevin, Kevin's mis-pushing uh, miss, uh, this. <laughs> Sound effects button. So number one, set expectations on your website with the right messaging. I made it sound too simple. I apologize, <laughs> right? That's, a, that's the sales part of me. I <laughs> can't you just fix that website? Um, number two, okay, uh, auto response and the call flow where they're hearing the first message when they're calling in, whatever it is, those messages also have to explain that there's an interest list forming and the next steps, okay? So they've seen it they've heard it again. Just because you're on
0: the list, you're not necessarily going to exactly. get a home.
3: Exactly. Yes. People, listen, uh, <laughs> prospects right now are, are making up a lot of fun stories. So you got to make sure you're just clearly articulating that. And then for the online sales standpoint, the, the third part of that intake is process the lead, rate it, and determine what list that they're going to be on so that you can manage that in the future. And Jen, you know, talked about this and changing ratings. Why don't you talk about that a little bit about making sure you've got a rating for priority lists?
4: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, a couple of different things. I just want to break this out quickly. We have two things coming soon, right? Future community that's out there. You want to make sure you have your VIP coming soon rating. I've also recommended that you add a VIP responded rating so that you can start segmenting out people from that general VIP list that you've actually connected with, engaged, qualified in some manner. Now they're gone to VIP responded. Okay. The other situation we have, right, is like Mike mentioned, you have an existing community that you're waiting for a new phase to release. Or okay, the next so, two
0: inventory homes. Right? That,
4: yeah. What's coming next, right? And so you're... you're maybe you're not at a point right now where you can set appointments. And so you've got this interest and you are putting them on a responded priority rating. You've engaged with them. You have qualified them. You have set expectations and now we're going to put them as a responded priority rating. Um, That way it separates them out. You can create a list responded priority for happy acres. And now you have your go-to list and way to segment out from your regular responded leads that maybe you're working for something else so all
3: right i'm gonna drop one i'm gonna drop one more that's just been coming in hot from you know from the from the ripped from the headlines potentially even pre-qualified right at the end because now the the next layer Mm -hmm. for a lot of folks is it's not just are you interested but you have Mm -hmm. to be pre-qualified yeah
0: Yep. And there's the legal folks in the audience who are already, well, you can't do that. That's illegal. You can have them. They have to get pre-qualified by your lender. They can get pre-qualified by another lender and they can ultimately choose that. But, you know, you can say we want our people to look at this because the goal is not to get as big of a list as you can to create the urgency. That's not the market. That's not the world we're living in. What you want, and I, I, I know I keep referencing the calls we've been having, but we've been having so many of these conversations someone who's friends with a, a sales manager at another builder and it's just chaos because they've been doing offers for, for two months now and the back and forth and the misunderstanding and, the, and the, the expectations that are set incorrectly, that's what I think we need to be optimizing for is, is as straightforward as possible, as little back and forth as possible with clear yeah. expectations being set is gonna be the best for all of us right now. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, so real quick, number one, right? Messaging on the front end, set expectations. Number two, auto response messaging whenever they actually uh, submit the the lead, so they're not surprised. And part of that could be we may be getting back to you in a couple of days, not in two minutes. And third, process the lead the correct way, right? So that's what we need to do, no matter what. Now, once we move past that, we're determining what type of community this priority interest list is on. Mm-hmm. Normal. Well, we know what to do when this is normal. We're going to connect with the prospect, set expectations, get them ready for the next step, qualify. Yeah. Help with the pre-approval. We're engaging with them like normal, but most of you guys yeah. aren't going to be in normal situations right <laughs> now. Um, the real question is, what do we do with the warm list and those white hot priority lists? So warm, Jen, take them through it. What yeah, will they do in the yeah, warm you're, list?
4: You're going to start with sending communication by email or video email, and you're going to talk about the demand. You're going to let them know upfront about you know what's coming next and set expectations. This is so important unlike the letter we talked about, transparency is good, but you want to do it in a nice way. You will let them know you will reach out as it gets closer to time of launch. You should have a good list of engaged users at that time without a whole lot of proactive outreach. Again, you're not trying to engage, 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 but more educate when you have these two types of lists, warm and hot.
0: Yeah, And I feel like you need this is talking to the marketer. Now you need a blog post and you need somewhere a page or or a tool that someone can go to that says, this is the process, right? Absolutely. Now, again, I know most of you are like, yeah, we're there, Kevin, but my freaking owners, they want to change the process every two days. You need to have those conversations and doesn't mean that you're going to win, uh, what ultimately gets done, but you are going to be responsible for cleaning up the mess. Just remember that. So, <laughs> you, you want to make sure that you're voicing your concerns versus coming afterwards and be like, I knew that was, well, why didn't you say anything, you jerk? Like, say something if you have the concern. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And then do what they tell you to do. But, you know, too many times marketing gets asked to clean up the mess afterwards. And, and right now, it's okay to help people understand. And then that's the other thing everyone's asking is can you please give me the name? And phone number of the person I can text right now. Be when I go in to meet with my owner to say, "See, they're not doing it that way," or "See, that didn't work for them," uh, because everyone feels a little bit powerless to to, to push back. And so it's you want to have a, something standardized that
3: you can point people well, to about how the process works.
1: Should those updates be mirrored on the community page on the site that the OSC is sending out?
3: Well, I mean, in a perfect world, yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I mean, it it helps. And that's why like going to a blog post or the community page where at least the big points of the messaging are all consistent. Because that's what everybody's looking for is like, well, I'm going to get a different answer from the salesperson or I'm going to try and get a different answer from this online salesperson that I'm talking to. And so as long as we're all playing from the same sheet of music, it'll help, you know, but it's not going to, I mean, like right now, buyers are... buyers are are trying to do whatever they can yeah so So. it could
1: be like your kids go to mom first then dad and then like oh i'm gonna go to the neighbor But maybe i'll have a different answer (laughs) like who knows i'm just hoping
4: (laughs) with with multiple people trying to go through every avenue they can to get a different answer what what really helps is those builders who have put those update updates on their website like updated today april 15th this is the latest information again that that helps set the expectation
3: Uh, Final thing on the, on the white hot interest list. This is one that's like, basically we're not sold out, but you know, there is uh, uh, over X amount of people that are on the wait list. Please do know that as soon as we have information and stuff to communicate, Mm -hmm. we will. And you just got to let them know. I mean, it's hard. It's really hard to be in a almost sold out situation without being sold out because for many builders, the goal is not to shut off completely right. We still need the leads. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got to still be communicating with them because we know what happens right yeah. when there's a communication vacuum, Jen, you've seen that.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that's the, the biggest challenge right now is that, okay, I've, I know what to do. I get these people on a list now. What? And I think that's where we've got to, you know, with the help of marketing, we've got to be proactively Um, providing some sort of information, even if it's not, we don't have an update, we have to say something because saying nothing is going to be detrimental in the short term and the long term. So it's one thing to put them on a list, but we've got to then come up with drip, you know, drip campaign or something talking to them periodically. Now, what's right interesting you know what's
0: is that's not a new challenge either. In a normal market, no. in a normal pre-sale, it was like, what yeah. do we say? How do we how do we I stay know. in touch with these people? But you did just say a word that normally would trigger me, Jen. You said drip. Uh, it, it's <laughs> I know. <so> worth it's <laughs> worth commenting it's that this is it's now spicy. a world where the marketing qualified lead and the sales qualified lead conversation should be happening.
3: Yeah. Because, absolutely, you know, start uh, that get that drip going because you know we always talk about follow-up is not you know email marketing is not follow-up and you yeah. want it to be personal but at the same time it, you know you don't want to open up communication when we're not ready for it so we're well, using wild things yeah. like saying drip and- or saying take your phone number <laughs> off that email what um, we, don't need say like. we need a sound effect we
4: need a sound effect
3: yeah uh, mm, yeah but that's this Oh, there we go. No, oh, goodness gracious. Don't say things like, hey, uh, if you have any questions, please reach yeah, out to me. Right. That's Almost. not, in some of these situations, that's not what we're looking for.
0: No, um, I, you said something incredibly, so, so good, I wrote it down, and we're going to have to, you know, take a picture of you looking thoughtful on a on an airplane tarmac, and then put these quotes over top of it with a bike, cool filter. Yeah. But I, the 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 thing that caused this all to flip the way it has is that, Normally this process was set up for the builder to communicate to the prospect, whenever you're ready, we're ready for you. Like, however we can help you, any questions you have, yeah. All the it, it, we're waiting for you to be ready because we want to sell you a home anytime. And now mm-hmm. it's flipped to they are all ready and we're not. And so we have to communicate to them that we'll let you know when we're ready. And that's why this all feels like opposite world because it is yeah. in that sense.
3: Yeah. And listen, things could change in an instant, but we don't want to be misleading customers because it wastes their time. It wastes our, our, our staff's time, the online sales specialists. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's just going to burn the person out. Um, constantly have to educate everybody one by one by one by one. We've seen it already. They don't like
4: Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: So temporarily, you need to adjust. Mark. And, and online sales doesn't even have time to think strategically right now. And that's where marketing has to jump in and say, I can help you think strategically. Let's Mm -hmm. solve this problem and create the framework that we can roll out. What type of community is this?
0: And if we can be completely transparent here, most online salespeople, it appears, don't have the time because of call volume being through the roof and responsiveness being through the roof.
4: Exactly.
0: You know, form completions, which those are still people too who want homes, but form completions are just... They're, we're getting slower as an industry in responding to forms uh, on the site
2: because mm-hmm. there's so
0: many other people coming in that are so good, and they're right in front of you, like on the phone right now.
1: I'd imagine it's a, a uh, it builds momentum too. The more you get behind on the forums, the more phone calls get because they switch. I need to call someone and said I tried the form right. because I was busy. Oh yeah, and then it's just like this circle of like yeah. we need to eventually get caught up, which is a big.
0: It sounds that's like you've been insane. to the Online Sales Academy, Andrew.
3: Yeah, real, real talk here is <laughs> you've got even on-site sales that are busy and their own customers are trying to reach out to people through the website because they can't get a hold of on-site. Mm. That's happening. Yeah. And so it's just the volume is insane. And here's a little side story I got from an online sales specialist that's already really worn out. I mean, call volume is four times what it was before. And then they have their manager coming back and saying, why are your missed calls going up? And I just wanted to just be like, you need to jump in and look at CallRail, please, because their call their talk time has gone up five, six, seven times what it was yeah. before. Don't be writing yeah. someone about their missed calls right now. You want here's how you fix it: go hire someone else. But no one wants to hire right now. We don't know how long this is going to last. We right. don't know what's going Too on. Much
4: Which, Too much uncertainty. Too much uncertainty.
0: You don't know how how many people you should hire right now. You should hire more online. Salespeople. That's the answer, and it's not because we offer that service. It's because that's what, in any market, we're going to need more of. Right. More technology continues to move as as more decisions are being made and and considered via hybrid or virtual methods. We're going to need more of those people.
1: What could be a um, symptoms that you need more online salespeople? Uh, I know that that's obvious, like crying. <laughs> but like, what can something if they're like, say, data driven? Like, okay, what can I be looking for? Because I oh, would see. If they're overwhelmed, they're overwhelmed, and it's probably very. I would assume it's very
3: difficult. Data driven. I will what, give you this the trigger. Straight, the data is number the specific number of coaching calls where people are crying on. So okay. there's the yeah, data for yeah, you. Yeah, and here's the thing:
0: up. the the data point is so wrong, and that's why I'm I'm. I'm relenting and saying we need to have marketing qualified leads and sales qualified leads, even though you've heard me for my entire career say to design an online sales program, assuming you can't get back to everyone is stupid. You shouldn't do that. But now it would be impossible even for the most aggressive person to hire the number they would really need for right now.
3: Right. And that's that's why we
0: have, I mean, we're not saying give up. It's impossible. We're just saying, there's very few builders who would say I'll hire 10 knowing that I'm going to have to let go of seven when things go back to a normal condition. And I still need more people, but I don't need the 10. But that could I, be
1: 20, 24. Like, I, I don't know. I guess that's, yeah. Again, I think that's
3: almost worth another like whole conversation be because two, we can go through specific math on that. Um, but in most builder situations, especially considering where we're at now, you need to at least start thinking about that next person to help support in, in, in these markets.
4: Listen, whenever I don't know what to do, I think to myself, if I keep the customer experience at the forefront, that will be the right thing to do. And when 100%. we have an OSC who had 2800 calls in one month and not, I mean 2800. That, that's not that's not doing that's not doing the customer. And, and that's that's any,
1: absurd. I mean
4: 2800. Yeah.
0: But that, that's why, Andrew, we can't give a number. It's not that we're being coy. It's that n- there is no number that's right to figure out how many yeah. people you need or for 2,800 calls. triggers maybe yeah
1: obvious triggers besides yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just, OSCs are overwhelmed, which some people could. I don't say they're being dismissive of that, but like eventually totally, you might get used to totally. that. Like Your kid doesn't want to go to school in the morning. That's normal. Yeah, They need to go to school. But maybe there's yeah. things outside of that. I think
0: the first question still, though, is... You probably have to adjust the entire, to use Jen's word, ecosystem before you go on that number. Back to Makes we're sense. talking mm-hmm. to people about take phone numbers off the website. Yeah, completely different calls to action that send people into a, a marketing qualified lead list. I mean, things that are just anti everything that that Mike, Jen, and I have have talked about forever.
1: It, it's so strange hearing these things.
0: because it is wacky. Some it of is. this is temporary, and you could It'll over-index be. the wrong way. So you you got to make sure you're looking at the whole ecosystem, but at the end of the day, like you said Jen, 200 leads feels like 400, 100 feels like 200. Yeah.
3: Okay, I want to spend just the last few minutes for those who who hang to you know the the hardcore folks who want to hang to the, <laughs> on this whole podcast because there are things as we've been rolling this out that make it challenging. And so we want to talk about the challenges too that everybody needs to think about as they address this. One, the rules are changing constantly right? So it's hard for anybody to keep track and also for leadership to communicate. I mean, we've really seen some challenges with that and something's rolling out and they're not telling people how the rules are changing. So keep up with that. Uh, Jen, you can go to the next one. We'll just kind of go yeah, back and forth. Communication, on
4: communication is, is spotty. We talked about the, you know, communication vacuum sales doesn't want or need appointments, hasn't communicated that to the online team online team has a job to do with converting the leads to appointments and so if we're not talking back and forth then we're we're not we're not getting anywhere here so we've got to communicate again the ecosystem back and forth making sure everybody's on the same page with what we're doing with these leads and appointments
3: yeah i mean the breakdown is well okay sales doesn't need appointments okay online sales says i don't need leads for these appointments Marketing's still feeding the funnel like crazy like eh, everybody stop because it's all kind of breaking that chain's breaking down so we've got to watch for it sales and then we think about priority lists. Yeah. sales teams a lot of times have their own priority lists and as jen and i have talked about this mm-hmm. you know she brings up the question well what does that mean they have their priority list right yeah. is it is it really an interest list or is this like a sales ready list that's ready to go and how do you talk yeah. to, to online sales about that jen when when you're dealing yeah. with this
4: yeah, so a couple things. People who have come out, met with a salesperson, they've qualified them, they've selected one. They have a list of people that are waiting for a house, a home, right? That is a different list that they're working than an interest list that an online sales team is working. And that's where things get hosed up a little bit. So again, you have a couple of lots released. Really. Sales has their own sales ready list. They're going to work that. It doesn't make sense to bring in online and say, hey, we got two uh, lots released, go ahead and set appointments. I've seen this go very badly because then online sales, they sell out within a second, right? So if sales has an interest list that they're working and online has an interest list that they're working, yes, combine those, have one effort to work that interest list. But if it's a sales ready list already in the hands of salespeople, they need to work that
3: first. Just, so just visualize
0: the Candy glorious card. Do You Convert logo in your mind with those three beautiful little sections. And what you're talking about, Jen, is if there's a whole bunch of people already at the very bottom of that funnel that are ready yeah. to go, then you don't have to worry about what's above it. You don't have to activate right. that section. In fact, you right. don't want those people to move down because it just causes, again, more chaos and confusion. Is what we're trying to avoid.
4: Right. Exactly.
3: Yeah. The the final thing, that's the challenge we talked about it a little bit before, but demand is still up. It's almost double, but you still have a team of one or a team of two or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But remember 200 leads feels like 400. So if your leads have doubled or tripled, now you've got 400 leads. Those 400 leads feel like 800 oh. leads. It is, we've never seen anything like this before. And you have to get a release for this person in this or they will just explode so we just want to encourage you do everything you can to reduce the demand up front and give them a way to control some of that give them the support to manage those leads and it takes some forward thinking especially in this market but Mm -hmm. if you're serious about this as a builder and, and and you're focusing on the right things you will be able to shift gears both for now and in the future Right. We're all trying to educate mm-hmm. our customers on this new process. We're working on our mini releases. We're trying to adjust our processes and follow up. We're nurturing now more than ever. I mean, I'll I'll tell you the work you put in right now really will pay off. And your future self will thank you for the effort that you put in now. It is hard, hard work. That's why we said at the beginning, it's a grind,
2: but mm-hmm.
3: it will make everything smoother as we go through this, no matter how if it lasts a twenty twenty. Two, twenty-three, 23 or longer, it'll pay off. It really will pay off. Your online sales team is a crucial part of this puzzle. And it makes the leads that you create even more valuable and the leads that we're getting for less money right now, which is great. The organic traffic's up the leads are less money. Well, yeah. let's work them the right way.
0: You know, Absolutely. I love a good data point. So for the marketers listening who are, if you're looking at your analytics and, and the aggregate data that we have, you know, organic traffic is up 40% over last year. But from the January peak, it's down 20%. So sometimes you're looking and you're saying, I mean, the average person has, you know, flat to slightly down website traffic right now, but the lead volume is higher. Appointments are through the roof, sales through the roof. But And so the, some people have said, well, there's some comfort in the fact that at least the the, the amount has come down from the January peak. Maybe that's going to provide relief. The problem is that we've stopped selling intentionally at rates higher. We're slowing down the ability for people to buy at a greater extent than they're slowing down. So while it is true that organic traffic is down a bit from January, you just imagine you know, most builders, I, I think we've lost 40% of sales ability between slowing of releases, cap sales sales moratoriums it's the scariest strangest word ever that we've heard some people use um, but you you add all that together I think 30 30 to 40 percent easy of the of the sales opportunity is gone and organic traffic is only down 20 percent from the peak in January so right. and and it could come back up because when does everyone want to move or when you know when do those life events happen? It's still around the summertime when, if you're if you've got school age children that you want to make a decision, and so there is still a likelihood that we're going to snap back and get crazier again.
1: And I'm sure there's plenty of people that have no idea the market is this insane. Like they're just, they've maybe heard about it, but they've not actively shopping. So there's, I'm sure, new blood every day. Like, I had no idea this is crazy. What do you mean there's no houses? What do you mean? What do you mean?
0: Well, and it's not just builders, too. People remodeling. I mean, Facebook group in my neighborhood is like, it's impossible to get a painter. What's wrong with painters? And I'm like, hey, it's the whole world. Just settle down, everyone. You know, you're not going to find a painter to show up tomorrow for 50 bucks. It's not it's not happening. Well, thanks so much, guys, for stopping by and awesome. investing. This may be a record for the longest podcast yet, but no shortage. You can, you're allowed to listen more than once, everybody. And you're also allowed to send this to your owner and say, skip to this part where Mike and Jen just start laying out truth bombs about what needs to happen. <laughs> it's okay. People often are like, can you just tell me what you told me, but like record it for my boss? That'd be awesome. <laughs> thanks <laughs> for having us.
3: Yeah, exactly. what a what a fun yeah. thing. You guys are doing such a great job. Keep it up. And Jen, thank you and Jesse for I mean, it's amazing. Okay. Oh, I'm can... I'm constantly impressed at how many great online salespeople they're able to find, hire, train, get in the yep, seat faster than ever. They do some amazing work.
4: So well, when, who doesn't... you know, when you're passionate about the role, it makes it makes it easy.
0: And who doesn't love a good tease? So just keep an eye on the Do You Convert blog and maybe an upcoming guest on the podcast because Jen and Jesse and Mike pulled off something pretty huge for the entire industry. Uh, they Ooh. went to bat for you all. Some things were going to go down that were not going to be good. There was screaming. <laughs> there was gnashing of teeth. There were threats, but <laughs> we pulled it of off. Teeth. No, I'm just kidding. But they, seriously, I mean, we're not going to, again, the best part of a tease is we don't, but how many hours collectively do you think we put in trying to make sure that this didn't turn online sales world
3: upside down? Wow, this is really uh, really a tease. I mean, golly, 40, 50 hours working on this stuff to yeah. make sure. Yeah, It's mm-hmm. a big deal. So stay and, tuned. And it's going to be awesome. A tease. All
0: so right, that'll do it for this week. For blog posts, articles, videos, and more, check out doyuconvert.com. It's also the place you can find out how to connect with all of these lovely people on all of the socials. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.
1: See ya uh